Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and see all the things that you can get to show your strong enough pride, as well as remind people and yourself that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people from all walks of life. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is going to talk about being a single father. He's going to share what it was like going through the trauma of divorce and how he has been able to heal. He's also going to talk about his book, The Body Man, and what's up next. Please help me welcome Eric Bishop. Eric, how's it going today? I'm doing well, Claudia. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here for a lot of reasons. Um, number one, because you're my friend. Number two, I absolutely love your voice. You have an amazing podcasty voice. Thank you. I've heard that, and I, I listen to myself, and I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know if I see what the lure is in that, but okay. <laughs> There's a lure there. I'm just telling you. So we have known each other for a little bit of time. For those humans who don't know you yet, I would love it if you would tell them a little about yourself. Yeah. So I, um, first of all, I'm a father. Uh, secondarily, I'm an author um, on the side. Uh, I do actually do finance for a living. Um, that is my day-to-day job. And I uh, love the outdoors, love finding adventures. I love to travel. I've done quite a lot of it the last couple of years on my own, um, which has been an interesting transition to go do a lot of that stuff solo. And uh, I've embraced it. I've definitely, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. So. Well, let's just jump right in and talk a little bit about that. And I do appreciate that you went father first and then author. I think uh, that will make your kids happy. So that's a good thing. (laughs) If they ever see this. (laughs) So, but, you know, once you're on the internet, it's there forever. So now it's out there. So you don't have to worry about it. You know, you talked about being a father and now traveling alone um, Mm -hmm. more recently, lately. So there obviously was a relationship that's not there now. Will you talk a little bit about what it's been like to co-parent and be a single cool dad? Yeah, definitely not something I expected to do in my 40s. But life kind of comes at you fast at times and you have to uh, either, well, you have to adjust and you learn to roll with it. Um, You know, things happen to you. um, Things happen in relationships and, um, you know, you learn lessons from it. Um, For me, for me, the hardest part, I I think partially because there was struggle for so long when the relationship ceased to exist. Um, not to say I was okay with that, but I, you kind of saw it coming. The harder part was the kids. Um, you know, I just returned from California last Wednesday morning. Um, I've been, this is my second time I've been since we separated. And actually, uh, when we had separated, I was in California. I knew it ahead of time. I knew we were going to, I knew when I came home, she wasn't going to be there and the kids weren't going to be there and half the stuff wasn't going to be in the house. Uh, but I thought about it and I've thought about the last two times I've gone to California of, wow, I remember coming back in 2019 and everything was different. Um, and that was, that was probably one of the hardest nights of my life coming home to an empty. I did get to see the kids for a few hours. I got home late, I think in the afternoon or early evening. Um, and I got to see them for a few hours and they went. I went away, went to where my ex was living, or soon to be ex, and, and it was just me in this house by myself. 
Um, you know, I pulled out and watched, uh, man, what did I watch? I think I watched Mike Myers movie. I think I watched one of the Austin Powers. I just wanted to laugh. I wanted to laugh. I think it was the spy that shagged me or something. Um, I watched one of his movies just because I wanted something absolutely stupid, something I could just deal with the change that was taking place. Um, and then, yeah, it was an adjustment after that. Cause then, then you're starting this new life where you take for granted, um, as a parent or as anyone that has a loved person with them when they're with you all the time, they're not with you all the time. And I mean, in the case of a parent or someone close to you dying, obviously you'll never get that back. Um, in this case, I was used to tucking my kids in every night I was home and all of a sudden more than half the month I'm not. Uh, so that was a huge adjustment. That was, uh, extremely difficult. The good thing is we're talking about this in 2023. So not making light of it. It's just, it was a hard adjustment, but you got over that hump and then you're, it's your new norm. Um, and you kind of learn how to, how to cope with it. And you, you actually get to a point for me, I, I, I use this story. The first couple months, probably I would have them for a weekend. I'd have them from like a Wednesday or Thursday until a Monday morning. I'd have to bring them back Monday morning to her. Um, and we lived close by each other, like six minutes, five minutes away. I'd cry the entire drive home after I dropped them off. I mean, just not can't drive, cry, but just cry because I missed my kids. Um, and, you know, and after a period of time, I stopped crying less. It stopped being emotional less. And, you know, I kind of adjusted to, OK, this is where they go then. And now you have to do your thing. You have to move on. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a hard time. I like I've just had them this past weekend. I was in California for eight days, which I haven't been, I could do, we do split off summers. So summers, I will go a week without having them, but then I have them for a full week. Um, so, but this trip to California was the first time during kind of like regular school time or regular working uh, weeks that I didn't have them for eight days. Uh, and I, you know, I thought about it while I was out there. I was, phones work and FaceTime, I FaceTimed them from the Pacific Ocean, um, FaceTime a couple nights just so I could see them. Um, but it kind of reminded me back of, yeah, they're not there when I get home and they didn't, I had them, I had my daughter that day actually. So I did get her back that afternoon. So that made it, you know, made it pretty good. Uh, although I was exhausted, I took the red eye and we're out at the grocery store that night and she's, uh, she was just piddling around, wanting to look at stuff and daddy, let's look at this aisle. And I'm just like, I just want to go to bed. It's like 8.30. <laughs> I don't ever go to sleep at 8.30 unless I'm dying. I just want to go to bed. That hour in the red eye did not cut it. I'm too old for that. So, um, but yeah, it's, I'm in a good spot now. It, I couldn't say that for a while. Um, but, but I'm definitely in a much better spot. I could oh, probably talk it. another hour about it. So I'll let you interject because <laughs> there's a lot of lessons learned and there's all kinds of, yes. and every, everyone's situation is different, but, um, I'm, I'm happy where life is now. Well, first off, I want to say in my 20s, the one hour on the red eye was not enough. So that has nothing to do with age whatsoever. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the The other thing that I want to point out for the audience is that you mentioned, you know, that you're you're past it now. You're in a good place. But for a long time and even still, when you get home from or when you're in California and come home, it reminds you of that day and the trauma yeah. that occurred that day. And that's what it was, was a trauma. Right. So I just, I really want people to hear that it's okay when we do think about those things or relive mm -hmm. those moments. It doesn't mean that we aren't healed or on the path to healing. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you, 
I think the worst thing you can do in a situation like that is block it out. And like, I won't think about that moment anymore. It's the past. Um, I think you're doing yourself a disservice when you do that. I, I think you'd, and I, it's not good to live it every day. And I did for, for months, for, you know, probably because uh, we separated in September of ni- end of end of September 19. And uh, the divorce was finalized March of 21. Um, but we didn't have a deal in place of no a deal in place sounds so horrible. It's, it's like it's a business transaction. But I didn't know what the future was going to look like until December of 18. So it was a full over a year of separation before I didn't know how often am I going to see my kids? What holidays am I going to see my kids on? Um, am I involved in the process of what happens to them? Um, so that year, I mean, hands down the hardest year of my life, uh, but even leading up to it, there was a lot of hellish moments. Um, in hindsight, they weren't that bad because I got to see my kids every night. You know, I got to get away from it. I could kind of ignore reality at times. Um, I couldn't ignore reality when I was home alone for 16 days a month by myself um and not seeing my kids not knowing all the ramifications of what was going to happen so once uh, you know i didn't write for we'll talk writing at some point but um and writing is secondary to anything re- regarding family always was writing was never i never put that ahead of my family i was wrote at night after everyone went to bed that's how uh, not the novel that's sitting behind me but um the first novel i wrote that didn't get published I wrote that at 10 p.m. until I couldn't write anymore and fell asleep in uh, 2014 for like three and a half months. That's it didn't interfere with family time. I didn't write on a during the day ever. It was just at night is when this won't interfere with the family. Um, so during that year of not knowing what was happening, I didn't write anything that I kept because it was just horrible. It was trash. It was mean. It was vindictive. It was all the things I was kind of all those emotions that were going through me. Um, and it wasn't until literally the day we went to mediation, which I had, we walked into court ordered mediation and I, I told the attorney I was talking to, and I said, you're, we're wasting our time and you're wasting my money. We're not going to have a deal. And he said, give me a chance. Whatever, dude, I've been fighting this for a year. We're not going to have it. Yeah. Two and a half hours later, we walked out and it wasn't the best deal in the world, but it could have been so much worse. Um, it was a deal I was comfortable with. I wouldn't say happy, but I was comfortable with. Um, yeah, I started a new novel that night because I just felt this, you know, felt this weight come off me. That's one less thing. And it's a big thing I don't have to worry about now. I know, I know what my future entails in regards to the kids and custody and money and all the stuff that you hate to be in the middle of. Um, but it just, you know, it kind of gave me that peace, but it wasn't until that moment. So that, you know, from September 19 until uh, December of 20, you know, if you if you interviewed any of my friends, they'd be like, oh, God, we got so sick of him complaining. And we got so sick of all this. And so, you know, they're probably they're saints to deal with me. Um, but you're right. It's such a traumatic event. And so to push it away and act like um, it didn't happen, of course, will do yourself a disservice. Um, but also at the same time, on the flip side is you you need to revisit those things at times. I think it's good for you, but it needs to be at times, you know, it's not something that needs to be, especially once things have settled, once you've gotten resolution, um, you do need to just kind of move, you need to move on with your life. And I think that's a struggle people have is they'll always go back. And there's things that trigger me that still normally it's a contentious 
issue going on, an email, a text, a phone call or whatever that, you know, I'm geared up. But in the past that, you know, during the separation, when that happened, I'd be geared up for a week um, versus when it happens now, I'd be geared up for an hour and it's gone. Cause then I go, well, at the end of the day, I have a blueprint of what I'm entitled to and that can't be taken away. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's interesting to make that transition, but yeah, people, you know, and, and people deal with it different too. Um, especially from guys, guys, I think probably a lot more don't, don't, you know, share their emotions. They internalize a lot of things. What comes out a lot of times as a guy is more probably anger, more rage, um, than, um, wanting to talk about what happened or discuss it. Uh, I've always been willing to discuss it. It's just not always been a good subject. So. So I want to talk to you a little bit about getting to that point of splitting up because you mentioned your age. So I did not do that. Um, But you guys were together for a long time and you were at a period in your life that isn't old by any stretch of the imagination. But it's a period (laughs) when a lot of people are like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with it. I'm just going to stay here. I'm miserable. I'm here for the kids. And Mm -hmm. I don't have kids, but that is probably my least favorite excuse that I've ever heard from somebody because I feel like kids, kids can see anger. Kids can see unhappiness and they would rather be with two happy parents separately than two unhappy parents together. So what in you allowed you to say, yes, this is the right thing to do. It's the right time. And I'm going to move forward with my life because that's what's best for me and what's best for my kids. Yeah, no. So 100 percent. I agree with you. And I think. Yes, I I, I can't imagine there's an easy age to go through it. So I won't speak for my parents, but my parents got divorced later um, on after being married for, it wasn't as my mother, not my biological dad, they got married when I was 10, but he was the only dad I knew. Um, so they got divorced. I don't even remember how long ago that was. That's bad. Probably seven years. Um, but one thing that stuck with me and it wasn't, it wasn't the catalyst for me doing what I did or for us splitting up, but I I definitely took some comfort in the fact of my mom had shared with me that she wished she had left when my, I have a younger brother and sister. Um, my sister's in her early thirties, my brother's 30. Um, and my mom flat out told me years back, and it might've been when I was going through my separation. I don't know if it was when I was married or not. Um, but she said, I wish I had left when the kids were little, we stuck together or she stuck together. Couldn't speak for him, for my dad, but, uh, I stuck together for the kids and I had left because I was so much older. I was 12 years older than my sister, 15 years older than my brother. Um, once I got to college, I only went home for visits like a couple times a year. So a lot of my interactions with my siblings ended when, you know, they were between the age of three and seven or so. And then, you know, I was just not there very much. So my memories of what happened and even my mom and dad's relationship were much different from what they experienced. Um, but being around at times and seeing how the tension was and seeing the relationship I knew going through it myself and and for a period of time, probably did, didn't want to split up because of the kids. Um, I can, you know, so hard. I can say with a hundred percent certainty, it would be so much better if my kids grew up with a mother and father who loved each other and, and we're in a solid relationship. Absolutely. 
However, I can say with authority living through this now, kids are much better living off with a uh, uh, better off with a father that loves them and gives them the attention they need. It's not with his ex-wife anymore and the mother who loves her kids and gives them the kids the attention they need. They're better off with two separate loving parents than two parents that are just miserable. And in in my for speaking for my relationship, you know, there wasn't no yelling, no this and that. It was just two people going through life that were not acting like they should not, you know, not, not showing the love to the kids, not in the sense of their relationship mm-hmm. being an idea of what an ideal relationship would be. So, um, and, I, and I'll share this. I haven't shared this probably with any other things. So uh, probably the, the, the thing that I still think about, and I mentioned it to someone not that long ago, actually. Um, so I just bring it up here is um, soon after we separated, I was out walking with my daughter one night. And so she was probably six or seven. Um, and, you know, we were having conversation about relationships and moms and dads and stuff. And, you know, she kind of paused and looked at me. And she goes, you know, Daddy, I don't have really uh, only a few memories of you and Mommy hugging each other and kissing each other in front of me. You know, I don't, you know, I didn't see that. And I mean, you want to talk about a dagger in my heart. I mean, it just hurts so bad. And then my brain flipped and said, dear God, this kid, I, I just gone through, I was thinking I was just kind of, we just gone through marriage counseling a few years before that. It's like, this kid's going to be in counseling now because of me, you know, because of the relationship choices I made. And oh, goodness. Um, but it also, as bad as that moment was, I looked back on and realized that, you know, this was the right decision because the kids were seeing, you know, and my son was, his experience is a little different. He was, well, he's four years older than my daughter. Um, so I think early on when, when he was little, the relationship was different. It was more after, uh, after my daughter came. Um, but so I don't think, and we've never really, never, he's a boy. So we hadn't had those conversations I've had with my daughter, but, um, but knowing that that's what she was seeing, I, I feel very confident. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, her seeing the relationship the way it is now is healthier for her and for him um, and, and for me. Um, and I'm sure for my ex as well. So you guys, life, uh, I, 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 I say this to people that are going through similar things or whatever. And, you know, ask my thoughts on it. And I'll say, look, I know what lonely is. I can deal with lonely. I'm not going to be miserable again. Um, I dealt with misery, um, for my part, for too many years. And no, we're good. I'm good. I'm good. Lonely, I can deal with. I've got friends. I have, you know, the ability to travel. I have books to write. I have concerts to go to. Even by myself, that's okay. I'd rather do it alone than um, be miserable. <laughs> we'll always find a friend at a concert. Absolutely. I found quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to 22 shows last year. I did take my son to a couple of the big ones. Um, and then the eight for the Shinedown, I obviously had a few friends there. But I, I had a good four or five that I didn't know a soul and I still talked or hung out with a few people that I just met uh, during the shows and had a good time. Love it. You know, I see a lot of the cool things that you do with your kids on Mm -hmm. social media and it's really cool, you know, to see that you really make it a point to spend quality time with them. What has it been like for you to really ensure that you are spending quality time with them and doing the things that will give them memories and matter to them and not have it feel like 
oh, I'm just the cool dad who's doing fun stuff with my kids? Good question. And absolutely uh, kind of a fine line you have to walk probably at times. Um, yeah. So sometimes it, it can feel like I'm packing in a month's worth of activity in, you know, the lo long weekends that we have. And, and sometimes I probably do, like in the summers, we might do stuff. Um, but, you know, I try to obviously take their interests. Uh, one of, This weekend, I we went to Top Golf. Uh, we'd driven by it tons of times. I'm a golfer. I had never been a Top Golf. Um, and so a couple weeks back, my daughter said something about wanting to go. And I don't know why we didn't go. It was before I went to California. Something came up. Um, and they always want to bring people. That's the other thing. They always want someone to come, which I totally get. Uh, that's made, that's become a little more complicated as life changed, though, especially like with my daughter. Um, and I totally understand it. You know, her friends that are her age, their parents aren't going to just go send them with a single dad and her um, for the most part. And I can respect why I wouldn't feel comfortable just sending my daughter out with some dude and his daughter probably either. So, so it's a delicate balancing act. Sometimes I'm fortunate that my uh, ex's sister and I are, 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 are friends and her two children are close in age to mine and they've always been doing stuff together. So, um, so that's continued. So that's a lot of times what oh, they'll like, Oh, can we get our cousins to come? Um, and so like with top golf, um, no, uh, my daughter was asking earlier this weekend, can we do top golf this weekend? I was like, oh, we'll see, we'll see. And, uh, she asked a couple times and I just, you know, okay, this is something she wants to do. Got to make it happen. So we did go last night. Uh, she needs to work on her golf swing. I told her nicely. <laughs> she, she didn't care about that. She was like, whatever, I don't care. But, um, yeah, so I try to take their interest in, into account. And then, and then sometimes they'll be like, we don't want to do anything. We just want to chill. Um, and the only thing that I probably push and not for my son, my son, well, son and I did scouts together. So any chance to go outdoors or go for hikes, I don't have to twist his arm. Um, my daughter, I have to twist her arm. She'd rather chillax, watch, uh, you know, watch Disney plus and chill on the couch. And anytime I'd be like, okay, it's Sunday afternoon. We're going for a hike. Like, Daddy, I'm like, gotta go for a hike. Sorry. You know, I got to dad's got to get his steps in, you know, he's middle age. He needs those 10,000 plus steps. So, um, but yeah, I definitely try to keep them in mind. And then, but there is an element of, it's not trying to impress them or anything like that. It's probably more of an element that I'm a 46 year old man, uh, with the brain of a 13 year old. I like to go out and have fun. I don't, that's not changed in any way, shape or form. Um, so I'm always kind of looking for an adventure and, you know, Plenty of time, I probably drag them along. Um, a couple years ago for my birthday, um, I got him a helicopter. I'd never been on a helicopter. It was my birthday. My book was coming out that next week. So this was about a year and a half ago. So when I turned 45, I guess. Uh, my book was coming out, and we were up in uh, Gatlinburg area. And I said, you guys want to go on a helicopter ride? And they were like, yeah. Uh, my daughter was actually hesitant, I will say. She was actually hesitant. Um, and then we uh, we did the ride. We got off. And, you know, kind of like, and she seemed very happy on it. Uh, and then we get off and, you know, we walk to where you can you know, talk and, and can, you know, can converse a little bit. And she just turned around and said, so we coming back tomorrow to do that again? Because I liked it. And I'm like, you know, dad's got to pay for these things. So uh, how about next year? <laughs> these are not free. <laughs> these are not free. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. 
I definitely feel like an ATM machine at times. And um, my parents were probably ATM machines as well. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I love spending time with them. Even like the, uh, speaking back to the concerts, uh, that's one thing that's pretty neat I've been able to share with my son. Uh, my daughter's not. I took them to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra, not last Christmas, the Christmas before. Um, got floor seats and everything. And my son and I are like, yes. And my daughter hated it. I mean, I had ear, I had earplugs and everything for her. And we had to leave at the ha- halfway mark. It was too lot. It was too much for her. Um and so, uh, so after that point, every time I was going to do a concert, like even Shinedown, uh, I was offered tickets to bring my daughter for Shinedown. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'll take my son, but no, not gonna, not even gonna entertain that thought. And I think she's okay with that. But, um, but that's been a fun thing to better share with him. I, last year, let's see, I uh, took him, I took him to see, and again, this is probably me reliving my my dreams. We saw Bon Jovi. I had never seen Bon Jovi, so I saw him twice in a weekend. Once with him, once without, but. I uh, took him to see that. Uh, we saw the Eagles, uh, Garth Brooks. Of course, we saw Shinedown, uh, Luke Bryan. I think that might be it. But we went to a few good shows. And we got a couple lined up for that. I bought some tickets when I was in uh, California. Guns N' Roses is coming this summer. so I saw them last summer. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Fat Axel is still rocking it. He is. <laughs> he is chubby now. Um, but... He's still... I can't say anything. I've got a few extra pounds on me, so <laughs> I've just got less money <laughs> and no singing voice. I have the radio voice, you know. There you go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think the most important question about activities that I need to ask is, did you play Angry Birds at Top Golf, or did you just play the regular games? No, I didn't know there was... So we, no, the girl that helped us I don't think knew like one of the first games she set us up, I was asking questions and she had no clue. And I was just like, I'll figure it out. So no, we will go back because the now kids you're have gonna, Yeah. Now you have fun. to go back because. So there's Angry Birds version. I did not yes. know. Yes. So what? you look up at the screen and it has like the scene of Angry Birds that you're playing yeah. and it gives you the landmarks of like the reds and the yellows and where the castle is and the pigs right. are. And then you hit the bird and the birds do the same thing they do in the game. So if you're hitting the little blue bird, he splits into threes. Or if you're doing the yellow bird, he zooms really fast. Which, how and do you see it if you're, you can't see if you're hitting though. You, you hit and then you look back at the screen. Oh, you gotta look back at the screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it, yeah, it's. I'll send you a video later. It's, I'm it's focused really... on watching my ball. I got to beat these kids, you know? I mean, it's be prioritized. I, I will say I'm terrible at golf. Um, so I can relate you to kick your daughter. At, you, you kick ass at top golf though. I'm not, I'm not too bad at top golf. Uh, <laughs> so I really, really enjoy it. And the other thing I can totally relate to her. So I have been to TSO twice. Uh, Lee and I went several years ago and I wanted to kill myself. Like it was, I just, I just hated it. And our friends wanted to go last year and I was like, oh my God. I mean, if you guys want to go, I guess I'll go. Like I'll Mm -hmm. be the good friend. It was really good. Uh, I think they have changed the show. I was like, did you? A lot. Um, no, I I wanted okay. to because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to need to pregame for this one. Uh, and I and I did it, but it was really good. So maybe in another iteration or two, she can get back on the TSO. Train. Maybe. Well, there was a lot less lasers and stuff because I went and I did see them at Christmas by myself mm-hmm. um, after I got back from uh, the UK. 
uh, about a week after I went and saw them up in Charlotte. Charlotte's, I moved uh, about a year and a half ago, so I'm kind of in between Charlotte and Greenville, um, which is nice for concerts. Because now, yes. um, although I'm going to Atlanta on Sunday to see Jeff Dunham. So that's my, uh, uh, I've, I've wanted to see Jeff Dunham for years. And uh, so I snagged the ticket. So that, that's my adventure on Sunday. I'll drive down to Atlanta for the day and go see Jeff Dunham. So at least it's not too far from there. Like three now about three hours. Four. So that's not bad. About three in my house. So my big one though, that I'm looking forward to, I'm a, John and I have talked about this, um, is uh, a huge U2 fan. Favorite band of all time. Absolutely. Seen him in concert. Not as many times as I'd like. Uh, I think only three times, actually. I had a couple of shows I wanted to get to. I couldn't get tickets or whatever. Just life didn't allow me to see him. Um, so I got to see Bono um, in New York next month. Nice. Which is his book tour, but he does perform as well. So that was one where uh, I, w- I got my pre- pre-sale link and all that jazz for Ticketmaster. And I log in on a Friday morning at 10 o'clock and I'm in the queue. And I got two tickets. I didn't have no one to go with, but I figured, eh, you know. I'll find someone. I have friends in New York, so I could scrounge someone together. Pop in there at my assigned time. Two tickets were just shy of $700 for both tickets. And I was like, wow. Is that with the fee? With fees, yes. Uh, I think total with fees. All I saw was it was high sixes, and I just (laughs) said, I got to fly up there and I got to get a hotel. So eat uh, something, at least one meal. I could probably skip a few meals and I'll be okay. <laughs> I will eat because I'm in New York. So. <laughs> I'm not going to starve to death. Um, so I switched my criteria to one ticket and one popped up and it was kind of in a similar area, but it popped up for a little over a hundred. And I just said, bye. I said, whatever. Nice. I'll just go by myself. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That will be, that'll be fun. Cause that was actually the first, first concert I took my son to was you to uh, the Joshua tree anniversary nice. tour. 30th anniversary tour. We went out to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so, and then I think they're doing a residency in Vegas, maybe later this year. Um, so. At the Sphere, at the new place they're building. Um, so I'm on the pre-sale list for that, if those come available. And I probably will sell one of my kids if I have to, but I do, I love them unconditionally. They just, they should know. I mean. They'll you know. just live with somebody else. I mean, you'll still love them. I'll send them pictures from the show. I mean, right. daddy, am I? Jeez. Right. Know. I mean, here's the thing. You don't need two kidneys. You don't. I know people that function successfully in life with only one. That's, I'm just. That's, that's a valid point. You have some connections to, to, to pass on after the show? Maybe. I'm just. Planning to sell one? Uh, yes. And I think, can't you regrow liver? I think you can regrow your liver. So you could um, whack some of that off too. I drink a lot less, so yeah, I might be able to miss a part of my liver. I'm, I'm pretty, so, yeah, I don't need all that. <laughs> okay. Let's talk a little bit about dating, and let me preface it with... What the hell is that, is what I'll preface that with. Okay, okay no. so I <laughs> no, have I... a friend... <laughs> no, let's talk about that. I'm okay with that conversation. Uh, I have a friend who is uh, roughly the same age as you. She is recently single. Um, she just got on Match.com. Um, which is now an app. So I don't know why it's still match.com. But anyway, she's on match. So it is terrifying. Um, she I've heard it's a disaster personally, but okay. I mean, she sends me all of the fun ones. And what are you guys doing? Like, if you 
Eric are going to go on a dating app. Tell me, like, what is your profile picture going to look like? Let's talk about this. Like, what are this you gonna, right here? What are you going to? Okay, so you're going to do like the I, lawyer, the lawyer pose. I'm just going to be like. <laughs> well, no. that'd be better than what she's getting. So, what would you yeah. do? So, let me tell you my story behind that. So, um, so I do have a story, and I was going through the separation. I don't know how far along I was in the process. I met, um, I've got a really good circle of friends, uh, close friends. Um, fortunately, I can say that as a fortunate. Fortunately, none of them have gone through a divorce. Unfortunately, they're no help to me then. Right. <laughs> what do I do? You know, I don't know what to do. Well, um, a, a friend of mine had introduced me to someone he knew that was a writer, that, that, that or was writing. And I connected with this uh, particular person merely for writing and then at that time in my life i think by the time i met this person met this guy um my life fell apart so i was calling him every few months not very often but he knew what was happening and because he was there and just offered me encouragement offered me some suggestions and he was really helpful to the process and i think it, i can't remember exactly how it came up it might have been a joke where i said well when i go on a date um and he was just like time out I was like, okay, what's going on? He goes, time out. He goes, I need, because he had gone through a horrible divorce. Uh, he had little kids like I did. So very similar experience. Um, and he said, so I've been this road. I kind of know what I'm talking about. I know you don't know me well, but can I offer advice? And can, can, are you willing to do something if I ask? And I'm like, I'm willing to, we'll see what it is. And he said, okay, once you get your divorce finalized, would you be willing to not date for two years? And I, you know, and I didn't just go, yes, I didn't jump up and said, but I'm like, I mean, I'll think about it. Um, and then we talked about it for a while of what, and he did not, he jumped into another relationship for like six years. That was worse than the first one. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about myself, the more I thought about what I had gone through, the more I realized, damn, that's some good advice. Cause I think, and I can only speak from guys or from me, um, I, it, men typically, if they haven't found one before it's even finalized before they've even separated um men go to the next woman you know it's just a man needs a woman most of the time men are needy they're whiny they're bitchy about stuff um, you said this just like you said this not me have you seen all those biden videos this is all ai i didn't say any of this, this is, you made this on your video on your computer and now you're framing me that's horrible of you um but no i just i you know so to bit, take it back serious i just was like you know i think i'm willing to do that or try that um it was probably the best damn advice I ever gotten. Uh, so, so I'll make a joke out of it though. In a second here, I was just in California last week, and I uh, because of COVID, I used to go out all the time. COVID killed that. My company stopped travel. I had to come out for for work this week or last week. Um, so one of the managers out there who I'm really good friends with, I, I had dinner with her and her husband. Um, uh, I hadn't seen her since COVID. I hadn't seen her since I've been divorced, and she knew all the crap that was happening when I was separating. She, I was out there that week I was getting separated. So she knew what was happening. Um, so she kind of asked me the same question. Well, you dating? And I said, uh, no, I couldn't date for two years. And so I explained to her why I explained to her what I talked about. I said, but, so this was on a Thursday, a week and a half, a little over a week ago. Um, I said, my two year anniversary for my, uh, for my divorce is it was last Saturday, whatever, last, not this Saturday, the, the, the one that passed while I was out in California, the 4th, 4th of March. I said, but Saturday the 4th is two years. She goes, yeah. I said, so I'm going on a date on the 5th. 
And she was like, really? Who? I said, I'm not going on a date. What are you talking about? <laughs> I said, but I can. And so I'm open to it. But I'm really glad what my what I didn't finish saying before I rambled on about it is what my friend said is take those two years instead of jumping into a relationship or having to be with someone. He said, go find out who's Eric Bishop. What does Eric Bishop like to do? Go do it. He said, go write a damn book. Go take a trip by yourself. Go do things that most people are afraid to do because they feel like they have to do it with someone and just be comfortable in your own skin. I will give, I, I had a friend that just went through a similar situation and he's about a year behind me in the process. I gave him that same advice. I was like, hey, my buddy Austin gave me this advice. Do this, do this. And um, so glad I did because it's just, I didn't have that pressure of any of that stuff, dating apps, meeting. Um, and I kind of thought about it during the process of if I just bump into someone and it's like, wow, I've got to hang out with this person. Or I need to know more about this person. Um, I don't think I would have said, sorry, I can't even talk to you for two years, you know, for, until we hit the two year mark. See you next March. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See you on March, on March 5th, door keys under the front door, under the front mat. No, nothing like that. But, uh, um, no, I'm so glad I did it. So now not that, jokingly, I'm past that. Um, I'm open to it. It's just also part of it too, is I realized after being married for 18 years, and with someone for all that time, I like being alone. I like, you know, we'll get done on a podcast with you. I don't have to ask what I can have for dinner. I don't have to, I don't have to decide, do I, is someone, what, what are you going out to eat? Or, and, and not to be negative about it, but that freedom that comes with the autonomy when you haven't had it by your own choice for so long is quite liberating. So now I'm on that other side of all that knowing, man, do I really want to go back to that um it would definitely be something very casual to start with because and also my kids um my kids will not be pleased if i say hey here's your new mom yeah that's not gonna go over very well with my kids my kids love their mother unconditionally um and will not be happy if i bring uh, bring a new person in and i not that i will never do that because of them but it would definitely be a fine line to walk and something so i wouldn't introduce anyone to them unless it was really important person to me um so i've not done dating apps i work from home i do travel a decent amount but i don't really run into people i don't know i don't, I don't know how to find someone so if you got suggestions i'm open but i'm open with hesitation because <laughs> life's good and i you know I, again you know i can deal with lonely not into miserable not into miserable so but i do want to find i do want to find someone at some point i'm de I'm definitely not the kind of person that's made to be alone um but i do think and i think that's a lesson for a lot of people um that have gone through something similar is you do need to be comfortable being alone because I, I think if you don't you're just going to repeat the same mistakes that you made in the past um you're probably following the same patterns um you know and and also my advice for anyone that isn't just a horrible situation I mean, give it everything you can to fix it. Everything you can to fix it. Um, but if it can't be fixed, be okay with walking away. Because life does go on. It's not fun. Uh, the process is not fun. Anything involving a lawyer and the court, and kids especially, is pretty much hell on earth. But as someone that walked down that path, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And things do get better. And once you get past that hump, 
you know, you kind of know inside that you're in a better spot. Um, it takes a while. It takes a while. There, you'll always be hurt. Uh, there'll always be some pain there that, you know, shows up every so often. And, you know, I think pain is good. I think pain is uh, is a good reminder. And it's a good good reminder, again, to not repeat your 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 actions in the past. What would you say is the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself in those two years when you were figuring out who was Eric Bishop and doing the things that you might've been afraid to do by yourself? You know, probably the, the, almost like I had hit on before, I, I didn't think I was going to do very good with alone. And I didn't at first, it was really difficult. So what I did was I just immersed myself and with friends and family, and I just did something all the time. I didn't allow myself to be alone very much. Like I, if I had a weekend that I didn't have something lined up for at least part of the day, not the whole day, but at least someone to go do something with on a Saturday or Sunday, I'd be nervous. And so I just, I kind of got to a point after a while where I said, you know, you need to figure out how to do this and be content with who you are not having to have someone else fill that void. And so for me, and it just took time. It just took time. Like, um, I, I think the last two weekends actually that I didn't have my kids, I had I didn't see anybody, which is rare. That's not that common, but two weekends in a row, I didn't see a single friend. I didn't go out to dinner with anyone. I just focused time on me. And there wasn't one moment I sat in this house and said, Oh man, this sucks. I was kind of like, I was cool with it. And I, and that kind of, now that I think about it, that kind of gave me some perspective or some joy of saying, you're at so much of a better spot. So that was kind of the lesson learned of you can actually, and you can actually go out and have fun by yourself. You don't have to. And again, I think I think people are so used to having someone there that helps fill the void. Even if that someone there isn't really filling a void, they're, you know, they're causing conflict. Um, and you're going to have conflict. You know, I, that's one thing I definitely had learned of, there is no perfect relationship. There's no easy relationship. Every relationship is hard. Um, but that being said, you need to get something positive out of it too. Both parties need to be getting something positive out of it. So, and if they're not, yeah, at some point, and like you said earlier, and mentioned, you know, people will stay together for the kids or they'll stay together because they don't want to be alone. Um, and, you know, if I was 75 going through that or 65, um, I probably might have a different perspective because I'm, I looked at it as a gift in a way. Um, it was a horrible thing to go through, but I was given the gift of this didn't happen to me like my parents in their 60s or other people. I know people that have gotten s separated in their 70s, which to me is like crazy because you're almost there at the end in, in most regards. Normally, if you look at the average lifespan, um, that would be a lot harder. I look at it as a gift, though, of I've still got half my life available to me. Or maybe not half now, but I was going to say more than half. Maybe, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. If I get myself in better shape, maybe I can hit the 99 <laughs> mark or whatever. But I think my, my grandmother made it to 93 or 94. I think it might be 92. I'll say it wrong. My mom will hear this and yell at me. What'd you say? <laughs> um, she lived into her 90s and was thriving. So, <laughs> Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about writing. And yeah. I want to talk to you about it in the sense that, again, a lot of people think if I don't achieve X, you know, by the time I'm 27, mm -hmm. I have failed or I should just give up. I shouldn't keep going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So 
I would love for you to talk about writing because as you have said to me in the past, you have been an author and a writer for a really long time. You just became published or recently. Um, it's not just anymore. It's It's been a minute now. It's been a minute, I know. So talk about that process and, and what you were able to do inside to say, no, I'm going to keep going. I am going to get there. Yeah. So, um, so the first thing I always try to tell, no matter whoever it is and whatever their situation is, is you have to stick with it and finish whatever that project is, whether that's a fiction book, a nonfiction book, a book of poetry. If you've, I always tell people, if you start something, finish it. It's the same thing I tell my kids. Mm -hmm. You might finish it and realize that was miserable. You might realize I suck. This story is horrible. Whatever it might be. But to get to that point of accomplishment, to finish something, um, most people don't get to that point. Most people give up. And that, that, that transcends writing. That transcends, you know, so many different things in life. Most people, I want to run a marathon. Uh, I work up to it. And it's just too hard. Everything in life is too hard. You know, the most successful people in this world are only the most successful people in this world because they didn't quit. Now, they might have better genes. They might have better opportunities. Absolutely. Um, you, you have to be in your lane. So for the average person um, with, you know, with, with some kind of an education, too, it'd be really hard to do it if you had zero education. But the average person, if you wanted to write a book, you can do it. Again, it might not be good. It might not get published. But if you, if you have a desire to do it, you can do it. Versus if I say I want, hey, I'm going to go win an NBA championship. I'm going to go. I'm going to be better than LeBron James. At probably at 46, I probably missed that boat. Um, I might be able to meet LeBron James and say, hey, but I'm not going to win a championship. I'm not going to do that. However. The good thing about writing books is there's really not, and I've talked to so many people in the last 10 years of being involved in writing that, you know, some people I met got published in their teenage or early 20s, but the majority of people I know got published in their 30s, 40s, even 50s. Um, and it's one of those things that there's really not a age gap on when you can do it. You can, you know, if you've got your cognitive ability, you can go write a book at 80 years old and you can get it published. You could make the New York Times bestseller list. That's the beauty of writing um, is that opportunity is only stopped by one thing. You not writing that book. Um, now, when you write that book, that opens up a whole 10 part podcast series on how do you do it? What do you do? What do you not? I'm really good at what do you not do? Because I've learned that. The last <laughs> couple of years. Um, but I know I couldn't have gotten to any of those milestones without finishing that first book. And, um, you know, the body man's behind me there. It's my fourth completed book. And that's so I have a series of books that I've kind of read, looked back at recently, honestly, to kind of get some ideas. But, you know, I wrote three books and several novellas. And so I probably wrote six to seven hundred thousand words of some series that didn't get published. Um, but that's not failure. That's success. That was success because it was something I wanted to do, something I wanted to accomplish, and I achieved it. And that was only the first part of what I wanted to achieve. Um, but again, I couldn't take that next level, get to that next step without doing the first thing, which is finish that book. So um, that's the one thing I always try to tell people, just finish, finish it. 
Um, cause you can, it, you can't edit something that's not done. And that's the other thing people get stuck on with writing is they'll start writing a couple chapters and they'll go back and start changing it or they'll still go back in, in, in editing it. And, and that works for some people. So again, there's so many different ways to do it, but for the most part, get the first draft out. Then you can go back and rewrite the first draft, or you can hire an editor to show you how foolish you are, or maybe how brilliant you are, how great you did. Not me. Um, I need an editor. So I got great stories, but yeah, English language, maybe my fifth or sixth language, apparently, in the, at least in the written form uh, down the line. So, uh, but yeah, you got to get that first step. Um, and then, and then the sky's the limit. That's the beauty of, of writing. Um, the reality of writing is everybody wants the million dollar book deal and Hollywood to come calling and all that. You know, that's the 1% of the 1%. That's the rarity that happens, but it does happen. So it doesn't happen if you don't, don't stick with it. You don't, you don't, you don't finish the book. And then for the most people, again, with me, you know, I was four books in before anyone was willing to take a chance on me. Um, and that's not uncommon for people to have three, four. I know several New York Times bestsellers that their fourth book was the first one and didn't even like hit like a massive blockbuster. But that was the first one that got published. Um, it's been an extremely common number. It kind of gave me some some hope when I heard that and, and saw the interviews. And I'm like, hey, The Body Man was my fourth book. What do you know? Um, so, but, you know, perseverance, perseverance goes a lot of way. And, but perspiration is going to happen as well, even with writing. So <laughs> what is it like to give that lesson to your kids in real life, in real time that I stuck with it? I finished what I started and look, look what I accomplished. It's sitting behind you. How does that feel? Really good. I don't know if they appreciate it or they ever have. It's actually funny when they first got it. I gave them both hardcovers um, copies when I, as soon as I got the hardcovers. Uh, and of course, they flip them open. The first thing they said is, where's our names? I was like, well, you're in the back. Like, we're not in the front? It's like, no, that's your grandmother. Your grandmother was the first fan I ever had. She bore me. She got the book dedicated to her. And I was like, you get the second book, you know, uh, sorry, but you know, my, my, mom had to get the attention for the first one. So, um, but yeah, no, I think from, especially with my, more with my son, just talking to him. Um, I, I think it's been a good example to him. I don't know that he's very disciplined. If he puts his mind to something, he'll accomplish it. And I think it just gives, gave him that, you know, reassurance that, Hey, dad worked hard for this. And even though he really, just barely got his leg into the door and I have to keep shoving the rest of my body to get in over the next several years. Um, it's a start. And so again, if you want to accomplish something, got to start somewhere. I know that you are working on a couple different projects right now and you have thrown out some teasers on social media, just very basic. I know, I know. So I'm not asking for like a special teaser, but you know, give us, give us a little clue as to what's next. So I, I, I do, shoot, I got an email today from someone saying, when's, when's Breach of Trust? When's the second book come out? I don't have any news I can share on second book. Um, second book's done or needs edits I, I, in the editing process. Um, I hope, hope I'll be able to reveal something along that line soon. I can say 
and I've said, I know I've said on social media, um, I do have a novella coming out this summer. That's actually what I've been focusing on the last month is trying, it's done. I'm trying to edit it, trying to clean it up and get it to a point where the um, editors, the real people that know how to edit can, you know, make sense of my gibberish. Um, so I'm, I, I hope that will be out this summer. I probably later towards the summer. Um, don't have a release date yet for that. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple, I was, I was good about doing it before I, long before I got published. And actually I, I, I've mentioned this. Um, I probably mentioned it on John's podcast. I probably mentioned it on a bunch of them. Um, you know, 2014 is when I finished my first novel. Um, and I still to this day, the computer I'm talking to you on, I have uh, folders. One's called old books and one's called books. Uh, the books are all the projects I've worked on since 2014 and till today. There's a lot of folders under there because I've got a lot of ideas and started a lot of things. Um, finished some too. I've finished five books. I got two partially done and a bunch of novellas. So there's there's a lot of completedness there, at least for first drafts, which is really exciting. But I have this folder called old books. And that's what it is. It was just, it was basically started back in college and right after college where up until, or starting then up until, you know, probably my early thirties, I'd come up with an idea and I'd write it down. And sometimes I'd spend a week or a month, several nights working on it and typing away. There was one New Year's Eve I think I was dating at the time, uh, the girl I married, um, she was sick as a dog as New Year's Eve. And I'm like, I just sat there and wrote the whole evening. I loved it. You know, I had a great, great, great thing. But here's what Eric discovered. He never finished anything. So up until I was 34 years old, I never finished a project. And I'd get real passionate about it and I'd start it and I'd put it aside. You know, I'd had kids. I'd write a little bit when I'd have kids and then I wouldn't write for months. And um, in 2014 is when I had my kind of moment of, I've got this idea. You've wanted to do this for so long. Um, the only reason you haven't done it is because of you. You're the stumbling block. So I just said, that's it. You know, I can't let that be. So um, so I definitely had to shift my my thought process on how to do it. And then now my, I still do have the problem of starting too many things. So I've got the novella coming out. Uh, Breach of Trust will come out. Uh, my goal would be to have it come out um, sooner rather than later is all I can say. Not, not in the next couple months, but um, maybe by the end of this year, we can, we'll see what we can pull together. Um, and then I've got two other projects I'm working on. One I started last fall or last uh, summer. Um, it's kind of a slow burn project, though. The idea for it. It was actually an idea I had for another story. Uh, one of my friends who's an extremely successful writer read this one chapter I had written, and he was like, you need to pull this chapter out. And so we got on the phone, and I'm like, dude, why? I, that's a great chapter. He's like, well, that's the problem. It's a great chapter. It's that concept of what you wrote in that chapter can be its own book. Write that book. If you want a big book deal, if you want Hollywood, write that book. So. Uh, I think that was June of last year. So I've written that. I've started that. I'm probably about, I don't know, nine, 10 chapters into that book. But I have a lot to, I, I end up stewing over ideas sometimes for a year or two. It, it can be a while because it's just the synapses don't fire as well as they used to. I don't know if they ever fired well. Um, so I'm kind of, that one's still in the back burner. And I just give it thought every now and then of where do I want to go with it? How do Because I don't know how to tie it all off because it's very ambitious. The first chapter people will read, they, and I've sent it to a few people, and they're like, 
what the hell? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I got to have a whole story of what the hell. So um, I'd like to revisit that one. If I can finish it this year, that would be great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I've got another one I'm working on with someone you know, and it's working on it. <laughs> it's, it's slow. It, it's such a slow process, and it's so... It's so one thing I've learned over the years, and especially now, you know, circling back to like how life's changed is, you know, when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. Now, they, of course, will go to bed and there's plenty of nights when they go to bed, I might edit or write something. But at that point, it's late. And I've, a lot of times I have to, you know, I don't have help anymore. I'm a I'm mom, it. dad, I'm everything. There's no, and there's no maid that comes in. No fairy comes in and cleans the bathroom. You know, yes, guys can clean bathrooms. Not very often and not very good, <laughs> but, you know, we get the concept. Now we have spray bottles and hoses, you know, whatever. Um, kitchens, I saw the nice new kitchen sink. I hate kitchens. I hate washing dishes, but I I love my, my garden type, whatever fancy sink I put in. And it's not too bad to wash dishes now, but, you know, they go to sleep. I've got to do all that stuff. So my writing time really has become, you know, in the evenings, on the weekends when I order my kids. And I got to try to sometimes cram in a month's worth of writing in 15 days. Um, and then I have a nine to five job. So really it's happening in the evenings and on the weekends. Um, so that's why projects take a while. Um, I do know with my ability, I'm able to knock stuff out fast. I just, I have to be on point. And then that just comes down to me putting the distractions out. And I've did fall back at the end of last year and I've kind of been good about it for the last month or so, but um, I fell back into watching stuff and that's my nemesis. That's how I, that's one thing I've told people too, is how did, how did I finish my first book for three and a half months? I, I wrote or I watched something one night a week. I'd allow myself an off night to not write and to just watch television, um, watch series or whatever. After, again, after everyone went to bed, I'd stay up till three in the morning. I think I watched mm -hmm. uh, Breaking Bad over the course of like, you know, three months or whatever. I watched all like seven seasons or eight seasons, whatever it had. Um, it's the, that's you've got to especially if you have a family if you have a full-time job unless you're just going to be a scumbag and not be involved and be a slacker with your job you got to give something up there's only so much time and so for me television or entertainment although this thing is the devil this thing's mm -hmm. horrible at time and some of it's legit where i'll be writing and i'll pick the phone up i gotta look this thing up or i gotta look i'll use google earth on the computer or on my phone and i'll be looking at something well, then I'll like casually jump on Twitter or something. And then there goes 20 minutes. And it's just like, I need to just go like, put it in the other room and not get a flip phone. Just get a flip phone. Get a flip phone. Yeah. It's not a bad idea for something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's just gotta, you gotta cut the distractions out to be able to, to be able to focus on it. Um, the cool thing though, is I've been able to do that in the past many times now. So it's just mind over matter. It's like, okay, I want to get this done. Um, I don't have any deadlines. You know, I'm not under contract for anything right now. So I'm my biggest obstacle, but I also um, can accomplish whatever I want because I I've been able to do it in the past. Just have to put in the work and it's hard work, but it's enjoyable. Like when it comes to writing um, to me, it's, that's never been work. That's been a, medium to let those stories out that are in my head um and i'm grateful for that for that opportunity and if it was i don't know i i would part of me really thinks i would just like to be writing full-time and i'd be willing to try it if someone wants to offer me a lot of money um 
maybe I won't enjoy it. I don't know if you, if that, if that's your, and maybe that's why it's been easier in the past is because I know I'm not like counting on that money. I'm not counting on, you know, I could up, well, I did get a book contract, but so there was some deadlines, but like right now I'm not under contract. So if I, I don't have to have a deadline, I can, you know, I can go to top golf or I could go see Jeff Dunham or Bono and, you know, can get away with it, which is my excuse that I can't take, I can't use. So, <laughs> well, Eric, before I let you go, I want to talk to you a little bit about tattoos. Um, everybody knows tattoos. that I love tattoos. Um, I'm in a short sleeve shirt for only, I think, the second time in like the last six months. <laughs> so you can, if I, you know, move a little bit, you can see my tattoos. Might be a little ink there. Just a just a hint, um, a skosh. <laughs> I know that you don't have any tattoos, but but there could be a tattoo in the future. And I feel like this is a teaser that you can give us. So tell us what is going to be your first tattoo. So if I stick to my plan, which my kids are very much against, especially my daughter, she's like, no, no, I'll be so mad at you. And I'm like, it's my skin. She's like, no, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a free man. At least that's what I tell myself, you know. <laughs> although the government will want money here in a month for taxes. So I'm not that free. Um, no. So I, as we've talked about before, you know, it's permanent. You put something on your body, you know, paying money to put something on is one thing, paying money to laser it off. You know, I'm not into pain, not, not self-inflicted pain. I mean, pain happens, but I'm going to choose to avoid it. So if I'm going to put something on my body, it's going to be something. Else. So so I've made the decision. I haven't gotten it yet. So I haven't got it. It's not hundred percent, but, um, but it's a serious note thing. Cause it's like, I don't want to put someone's name on my body. I don't want to put, um, you know, as much as the guys that shine down are great. I don't want to put the, uh, you know, planet zero logo on my neck like Barry has. To each his own. To each their own. No, absolutely. I, I can see why Barry would do it. I'm just probably not going to do it on me. So I'm not going to probably not going to advertise my own book on my neck or my forehead or, you know, or my arms. Oh, okay. Um, not this time. Um, but no, so I was uh, many, many, many moons ago, I was in Switzerland and I was in a church. It was a Calvin's church and there was a Latin phrase up on the wall. And I took a picture of it. It's on my phone, which would be really hard to see. So I probably can't. I posted on social media a few times. So if people look on my Instagram, they'll, they'll see it. Um, but it's a Latin phrase and it's always stuck with me. And after what I went through in life the last several years, it's just keeps coming up as a reminder. Um, and Latin phrase is post tenebris lux, which is after darkness light or light after darkness. There's a couple variations on what they do, but, um, it's something that I think if I put on me, it'll be that reminder of, you know what, you've gone through for yourself at, at that time was the hardest thing in life. And you got past it. There was light at the end of the tunnel. It didn't seem like there was light for a long time, um, but there really was light. And I think that will be a good reminder for me as other challenges come up in life, whether it's like publishing. Publishing, uh, inside note, publishing sucks publishers difficult to deal with you know you have to market yourself you have to write a book and then do a lot more effort after that um well there's light after darkness because once you can get that next book out once you can have people read your words 
all that darkness, all that hard times you went through was for a reason. Um, so I think, you know, light after darkness will be a good little reminder. And it, it'll probably, I think, go, go in my arm right around that area. Um, yeah. Something along that lines. Um, I got a little hair on me. God decided to make me <laughs> challenge bears. So well, you can laser you know, that find off. A, what's that? You can laser that off. If you're paying. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, if the king household wants to contribute, I'm okay with financial contributions to laser laser remove my hair. Um, Kardashian, Kardashian money. I'm okay with that. As long as I don't have to get on the show and deal with the drama, I'll take some Kardashian money to do the laser hair removal. But <laughs> right on. I, I love that. I have a tattoo similar to that. It is song lyrics, but uh, it's disturbed from the light. So yeah. I, I love that you're thinking about that. Now, what I want to know though, is when your daughter gets to be old enough, will your argument work for her when she says, but it's my skin, is that okay? Um, well, I'm speaking with a woman <laughs> and I know women pretty much going to do what women do. So I don't think I'll have anything to say at that point. At I'll least you say, know that. At least you know Oh, that. I don't. <laughs> She's 11 going on 30. So I'm, I, I, I know who rules the roofs most of the time. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if she, I, I will remind her kindly of that. If she goes, Daddy, I'm getting a tattoo. Um, I might be like, hey, hey, remember when I wanted one and got one and how mad you were? But um, I also think she probably won't just because she'll be like, I remember I told you not to get one. I'm not getting one. So she's very, uh, very determined young lady. If she wants something, she's going to do it. Um, talking her out of something might be a challenge. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, 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 uh, fortunately, I have a while till we have to cross that bridge. <laughs> Although it's happening, it'll yeah. be here so quick, though. That's the <laughs> other part of life. That's like, slow down. Right. Slow down. Well, Eric, where can people find you? So if they want to connect with you on social media, if they want to grab The Body Man and read an amazing book, or if they have that hookup on the kidney market and can help you offload one of your kidneys, where can they find you? Or laser hair removal sites that are looking for advertising. Yeah, you know? I got I got one of those for you. Okay, you know, free. I'll I'll advertise for free laser surgery. I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you um, have to. I don't think so. Um, no. So they can go. So, Twitter. Uh, my handle is EPB Author. I believe Eric. Uh, pretty much, if you go to the internet, go to Google, type in Eric P Bishop, or even Eric Bishop will probably get you there. Um, Amazon, The Body Man. Uh, I do have a website, EricPBishop.com. P is my middle initial. Um, Paul. Uh, I, I think my mom told me for years it was the apostle, but I found out it really was the Beatle. So, uh, you know, so I get, I gave it to my son too. I was like, well, middle initial time or middle name time, you're getting the Beatle or the apostle depends on which day it is. So, um, but yeah, then go to ericpbishop.com and my website has links that sends them to social media and all the other fun stuff to see what's going on. And I, I do have a newsletter. Um, so if they want to go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, I try to break the news on the newsletter first and then subsequently social media. But the newsletter people get the news. So they'll see the cover for the novella first. They'll see the release date for the novella first. Uh, if they just go there and there's a little bar there on my website, it just says, join my journey. 
put your email in there and you get on the newsletter list. And I don't send very many, sometimes once a month, but sometimes I go months and months without sending them so they won't get spammed like crazy. So join the journey for the book teasers for sure. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Eric, you have been absolutely amazing. I truly appreciate your time today. And I know that the audience is going to absolutely love you as well. Well, thank you, Claudia. And I appreciate uh, what you do using this podcast and using your platform uh, to shine light on people that need the attention and stories that uh, people need to hear and sharing your own story. I think, you know, I've, spoke with you about that offline, but, um, you know, again, I've gone through some hard times and lots of people go through hard times and, uh, being able to hear from someone who has walked that path, I think gives people a lot of encouragement and you are one of those people that has encouraged a lot. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media so you'll never miss what's going on. Remember, until next week, you are strong enough, you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.